Hello, I'm DJ Evil Dave. And I'm Dr. Brandy Sexy Voice. And you're listening to the Dark Corner Podcast. Brought to you by Gentleman's Grindhouse Records.com. Picking up after it's over. Shrapnel confetti soldiers. We've given all we've got. Sleep, walking, or waking. Days can be forsaken. Not a belated podcast. Yeah, well, things happened last week. My mother's husband died. We had to spend the week getting ready for the funeral and taking care of my mom. Yeah, so that chewed up some of the time that would have been left to record the podcast. But it all works out anyway because of the timeliness of this release is in the week of what we're talking about, which will be the Chinese New Year. Da, 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 da. Which I'm is sorry. one of our ongoing series. Imperial! No, sorry. Yeah, that actually is exactly what you were yeah. supposed to say. Thank you. That was the Imperial theme. Mm-hmm. Unless it was like a abridged version of the Final Fantasy Victory theme or something. No, that's... When you get all your experience. And also when your Chocobo wins. Anyway. Oh, okay. Um, when your Chocobo wins a race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. She's laughing. So, yeah, sorry so, about the delay, but yes, we'll have one next week more likely than not. I have a really bad headache. And headache? And headache. I have an and really bad shed. headache. So, if I get cranky, that's why... Meanwhile, my nose has been leaking like crazy, so if you hear me sniffling... Because I've had this headache now for 26, no, 27 hours. I'm ready for it to go away. I want it to stop now, please. Do a Fox series on it. Thanks, chump! Bloop, bloop, bloop. Because just, yeah, just like everything was Obama's fault. Now it's all Chump's fault. (laughs) Because we're living in the darkest timeline, fellows and fellets. Fellets, no, that's uh, not right. Women's March, the World Women's March, went really well. It did, and it was completely peaceful because um, women aren't dicks. <laughs> um, they were wearing pussy hats. They were they yeah. they hand knit and crocheted pussy hats. They were wearing pussy hats, and a uh, a yarn <laughs> store in Tennessee uh, basically put out a statement that they didn't want anybody who was marching in the uh, Women's March to come buy yarn from them ever again. Exactly. Jonah Ray was actually talking about that because they did a live Nerdist with Nathan Fillion at Sketchfest. Jonah got off the train, or the train, the plane, and there were some older ladies wearing the vagina hats. Mm-hmm. And he got off and followed them to the march because his, his wife was marching in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. This yarn store, you know, the owner talked about how she was a good Christian and blah, blah, blah. And this was vulgar and evil. And she didn't want this kind of violence in her store. What violence? What, it's like when people use the word uppity. Mm-hmm. As in, you're stepping out of the place we put you in. And they've since been flooded with one-star reviews on their Facebook page. Uh-huh. There was 
a few people who's like, yeah, you go, girl. Let's rise up against these stupid women who want equality <laughs> and and want to, you know, want to have control over their own bodies. They're destroying America. They're destroying the family unit. Which makes you wonder if it's online whether that is sarcasm or not. Because you no, never no, no. know. No, no, no. It wasn't sarcasm. Okay. But, uh, but there was one woman who gave them a five-star review but said... Maybe if you actually acted like a Christian, you wouldn't have had this happen. Because isn't the love of Christ supposed to be welcome to all? Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't Christ love everyone? Doesn't Christ not discriminate against anyone, no matter what they've done? This march was peaceful, and not a single woman in the world was arrested during this time. Yeah, there wasn't. There wasn't one single arrest in D.C. I don't know about the other places, but I know the law enforcement of the District of Columbia said there wasn't any arrests. Well, I have heard of no violence anything yeah. from yeah. the Women's March in the United States. I just know of a Nazi getting punched by a dude. Yeah, so. because that's how men solve problems. Yep, with violence. And I'm not saying that all men are that way. No. But I'm saying that that is the first thing that men tend to do <laughs> rather than try diplomacy. Men are like James Kirk. Women are like Captain Picard. They will go with diplomacy and try to talk it out first, but if that doesn't work and you cross them, you better buckle in because you are done. Interesting analogy. Yeah. Yeah. I understand there were some hugs going on too, like during the Women's March, they hugged the police officers. Uh, That was in Atlanta, Georgia, I do believe. Yes, it was in Atlanta. And it's just this video that somebody took of a road that was blocked off and they had barricades up and there were police, you know, standing along the barricade. And the women, as they were crossing the street, they were shaking the hands of all the cops. They were hugging all the cops. The female cop got the most hugs, let's be honest. And they were saying thank you as they walked by. And it was completely peaceful. Everyone was smiling. Mm. Yeah. And and most of these cops were men. You know, that didn't matter because, you know, this... (laughs) This wasn't about men versus women. That's not what feminism is about. (sighs) It's a crazy time we live in right now. Get a a clue, Chubb. Just get a clue. Just get a fucking clue. I'm just waiting for him to get bored and decide not to be president anymore. Yeah, that's what Brooke thinks will happen. It's going to happen. He's got to get sick of it at some point. Yeah, my sister Brooke thinks that will happen. Because it's too much work. (laughs) There's too much responsibility. Yeah. And and he he can't slack it off and he can't go, well, I'm not going to pay those people. It's like, well, you're president of the United States. You represent the -hmm. United States government. Uh, I'm saying that waterboarding works and... Uh, It works to make people talk, but what they talk about isn't the truth. It's not effective in getting actual, true, actionable intelligence. (laughs) Because when you torture somebody, they will just say anything to stop the pain. Yeah, and it's proven that torture doesn't work. And, And they don't have to tell you the truth. They might give you a kernel of the truth, but yeah. it doesn't it doesn't work. <laughs> oh God, how did this happen? Uh we're in the darkest timeline. We're on step two of how Hitler took over Germany and formed the Third Reich. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> no. We're on but, step um, two, which is discredit all the science mm-hmm. and scientists. Try to shut down the media. Because mm-hmm. once he starts calling one fake news, eventually oh, yeah. calls them all fake news that's is step three step three is uh discredit the media and and go after intellectuals eventually yeah did you hear that the entire senior management of the state department said fuck off to rex tillerson and it's resigned oh wow <laughs> well they that's how they said fuck off is they all resigned they're like see ya yeah wouldn't want to be ya 
And also that Trump wasn't ready with all the cabinet choices, so he was asking some people to stay because he had no idea how many appointments had to be made. Just a little research. If you want to be president, look into what that oh, is. Oh, honey, he doesn't he do doesn't. research. He just wants to win. It's it's just another a little notch on the headboard or whatever. Well, see, the thing is he's proven that he can say a bunch of shit that isn't true and half the country will believe him. Yeah. It's a post-fact world is what people are referring well, it to. No, it's an alternative fact world, oh, sweetie. Alt-right, alt alt-fact. You know, being alternative myself in culture and stuff, it's I don't like it. I don't like no. that fascists are using the term alternative. Well, see, that's the best thing that they could come up with without sounding completely stupid. Alternative facts. Yeah. You it's mean like, falsehoods? Oh, oh, the press lies? The press secretary just used alternative facts when he reported the numbers of how many people were at the inauguration. <laughs> that's, that's what... So he lied. That's what, yes. That's what you said. That's what Conway said. That I swear to God, mm. that's what she said. And then the next day, all of Facebook was flooded with alternative facts. Oh, yeah, the hashtag alternative facts. Mm -hmm. I saw one that was a cat and saying, I'm actually a dog. Mm -hmm. Alternative facts. Speaking of, I have, right here. I have a penis. Alternative facts. Alternative fact. Yeah, it's called a lie. There's no <laughs> such thing as an alternative fact. It's either a fact or it isn't. Yeah, there's, there's not one fact that's factoids. true and then an opposing fact that's yeah. true. That's not how facts work. Yeah, facts are based on evidence. Yeah. Alternative facts are based on Alter lies. Alternative facts are lies. Yeah. That's all they are. Just because someone... And that's the thing, is that facts aren't facts anymore. If you believe that something's true, that's enough now. It's like the truthiness thing taken to the next level, is I feel it's true, therefore it is. Mm -hmm. I feel like Barack Obama is a secret Muslim, therefore he is. That he wasn't born in the United States, therefore he wasn't. You know, you could say anything. I could say I Barack Obama was not president for eight years. <laughs> I feel that that is true. And so therefore it is. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, my God. I really went off. I'm so sorry. Well, this isn't helping your headache at all. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you fucking chump. And I just wanted to start with how great the march was, but yeah. I believe it was Eleanor Roosevelt who said, well-behaved women rarely make history. Yeah. It's not about violence. It's about standing up for ourselves. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen in the next four years. All I know is the rule book has been shredded and fed to a cheetah who then shit it out and it was shoveled into a truck which was then taken to a landfill and set on fire. I don't know. All I know is that everything is wrong. Well, there was voter suppression mm -hmm. against Democratic voters. And how is that not treason? I know. I just don't understand that. I don't How either. do these districts get away with it? I just don't understand how people can continue to be so ignorant as to want things is to restore traditional values traditional values were horrible yeah. traditional values were oppressive traditional values only benefited white men mm -hmm. a lot of people in the united states have this weird idea that the 1950s were this great wonderful time and it wasn't, it wasn't that because no. there was rampant racism, anti-Semitism, mm -hmm. behind closed doors, spousal abuse, alcoholism, in some instances, drug abuse, McCarthyism, McCarthyism. So full-on fascism that mm -hmm. ties in with the anti-Semitism because if you're a Jew, you're a communist, and so a lot of the Hollywood blacklisting was about that. 
So yeah. union busting mm -hmm. and the whole make America great again is try to bring values back to the 1950s. This idealized, televised, leave it to beaver idea of what America is, which it, it never was. It never existed. It was fictional. It was television. And it was television under a specific code that didn't allow them to show certain things. Mm -hmm. It makes me sad that there are that many people in this country that think I'm a second-class citizen. I know it shouldn't surprise me, and it honestly, it really doesn't, but to have it said aloud by mm -hmm. electing this moron, that's that's such a slap in the face. I can't, I mean, I just can't even begin. I just... Uh. Well, the rich white men controlling the sexual reproductive rights of women and their health and trying to shut down Planned Parenthood when... Planned Parenthood is responsible for far more things, and birth control does more than just prevent birth. Or you know, there's a people who are not sexually active that take birth control. Yeah, well, and they it's not because they want to have sex and prevent pregnancy. Maybe they have endometriosis. Maybe they have polycystic ovary syndrome. Birth control helps with the symptoms of both of those non-curable diseases. Yep. There was a recently an episode of Still Buffering that discussed birth control. You know, it's three sisters talking about, you know, life as a teenager and as adults, and how one of them was taking acne medication. But uh, uh, acne medication can also cause severe birth defects. So just by its very nature, they assign you birth control along with it, just yeah. as a precaution. You have to legally do that. Doctors have to yeah. legally do that. Because of the risk of birth defects. Because to not have them on birth control would be medically irresponsible. Yeah. The fact that if you're on birth control automatically means you're a slut, th that's not the world we live in. What if men had to basically stop masturbating because they couldn't spill their sperm? Yep. What, what if that <laughs> were to take place? Oh, there would be outrage. But that's exactly <laughs> what... This government is trying to do to women. Anyhow, shall we try to move on from this? Yes, please, because <laughs> I'm just going to get angrier and angrier and angrier and okay. angrier. Okay, I suppose obsessions. It's obsession. Uh -huh. It's obsession. Obsessions by Calvin Klein. Okay, I've been a bit obsessed with role-playing games. A, I a bit? did finish pretty much the tuned-out cartoon D6 open-source role-playing game setting thing I was designing. Been making some characters just for testing it out, and if we do play test to have NPCs available, or if we have guests that could select and play one. I was a bit stymied by making an items list, because it was just too vast, and so once I decided, okay, I don't really need an items list other than a few essentials, and that's kind of in my brain anyway, that I could just move on. Pretty much it's done. Cool. So, yeah, doing an items list and itinerary, a grocery list, would take forever because there's just so many things you could list off. And I really have to show restraint and go, okay, that's all I need. Okay, I finished that off, and then, well, you bought for me the fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons because it's been very well received by the role-playing tabletop community. I can see why because fourth edition from what it sounds like was more of a strategy game and it was trying to emulate 
video game RPGs. No. And, you know, just distribution and everybody could pretty much do the same thing. So Why? there was really no... That's not the way it is in video game RPGs. Yeah, there's no diversity between classes because even a fighter could cast spell-like abilities. And so 5th edition went back to the basics and kind of took the best of all the previous editions and cut away the worst. Brandy has the kitty on her lap. I enticed him. That they really pushed for the role-playing aspects of playing your race, playing your class, building the character, and doing story-based role-playing games. Not just strategy battles, but actually telling a story through character. Oh, and by the way, that Monster Manual is the ninth edition. They've done more editions of that than they have of the game overall. That makes sense. So, so But it is the most recent. It's the most so, recent. Yeah. So I haven't really looked through the Dungeon Master's Manual that much. Because really all the rules are contained within the Player's Guide. But I'm pretty sure stuff like Treasure Lists are in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Oh, sure. Stuff like that. How to design a campaign. Which I've created my own world. Or mostly a land mass where the stories can take place. And I've been developing the politics of each. <laughs> The exports, imports, and what kind of races and classes you're more likely to find in each area. So that's been fun. It really strokes my creative side, designing and structuring this world where stories can take place. Indeed. Yeah. So, yep, I've been obsessing quite a bit about that and looking forward to get back to that. And speaking of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, my current obsession, and I'm disgusted that it took me this long to get onto this, <laughs> is the Adventure Zone podcast on the Maximum Fun Network with the McElroy boys. And Just, dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why. They're all the boys. Oh, yes. So Clint McElroy, Justin McElroy, Travis McElroy, and Griffin McElroy is the Dungeon Master. And oh my god, it's so wonderful. It's so it's wonderful. hilarious, super funny, well-structured Absolutely. Griffin, Griffin's story arcs are the bomb. Yeah, and it's funny because he's not that well-versed in the rules, and so he often gets the names of skills wrong, <laughs> yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, but, there, but there'll be things that where, you know, Travis is always trying to roll for skills that don't exist. exist and he's yeah. like, no, that's not a thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> I roll my open door skill. It's open. He's like, no. <laughs> no. It's, not, it's locked. You don't have open door skill. You would not think that listening to four guys playing Dungeons and Dragons would be so much fun. Oh my god, it is. And apparently the fifth edition of D&D &D is really open about that sort of thing. And considering how many people, after listening to the Adventure Zone, have bought their own 5th mm -hmm. edition D&D &D and started their own campaign, that people that weren't normally interested, that but were fans of the McElroys, listened and were like, ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah. And when Griffin every once in a while says, this is the greatest game ever made! <laughs> I know, right? Something happens in the story that, oh my god, things that even he didn't expect. Well, know? yeah, well, because these guys will do the unexpected. Oh, yeah, easily. Well, I don't want to spoil Especially anything. Especially Justin. <laughs> yeah. Some of the things that Justin does is like, wow. Well, Justin, How did you come up with that? Justin, I believe, writes reviews for video games. So he's accustomed to game theory and how to game a system, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's not like he's a cheater or anything. He just oh, no, no. understands game mechanics and can kind of twist and turn exactly what he does in a in a scenario. I will say Griffin does make a really good mystery. 
and he does really good puzzles. And he creates very memorable NPCs. Yes, that's very true. In fact, they're like fan favorites. Fans of the Adventure Zone, some of them do fan art and send it their way. I love it. And there's a graphic novel slated to come out, I think, next year? Fantastic. Or later this year. I think next year. That's uh, written by Clint. Oh, nice! And taken directly from the actual story. And then drawn by one of the fan art people that did i think the cover art to their show the the show art so yeah i'm i'm up to date with it i just listened to an episode today and left on a cliffhanger that's like oh my god <laughs> well i just finished lunar interlude one the summer solstice thing uh-huh which at one point griffin accidentally called an equinox no yep Summer solstice is when it's the longest day of the year. The equinox is in the spring. Right. When it when it, the days are getting longer. And the winter solstice is the shortest day of the year, but I will allow it because it's Griffin. Yeah, they have a, like a fantasy fake moon base thing that That's is so their base of operations. And there's no animals there except a goldfish. Yes. There's a goldfish named, named Stephen. Yep. Uh, Lord Stephen, I can't remember the rest of his name, Esquire. Yeah. I'm just about to start Pedal to the Metal. It, it's just, it's addictive. It's so addictive. I just want to keep listening to it all the time. And my listening ability has been severely curtailed in the last oh, Because week. of training. Because of training <laughs> and other things going on where I can't just sit around and listen to podcasts. And so I'm not as far along as I want to be i think i still have 42 episodes left before i'm caught up and like all of all of the other podcasts except for uh, three are like falling by the wayside well, the it's, it's gripping it really is because they are telling a story but at the same time they're so delightful they have that family dynamic and they each have their own approaches to gameplay and how they treat their character that it's you know, you can't really pick a favorite, I don't think. No, absolutely not. I, I would be very hard-pressed to pick a favorite. And if if somebody flat-out made me pick a favorite, I would have to pick Griffin. Hmm. But, you know, I couldn't pick a favorite of the guy's characters. Yeah. It's just, I couldn't. Taco the wizard, the <laughs> elven wizard, Merle the dwarven cleric and follower of Pan, and then Travis the human fighter. Magnus. Magnus, is his right. Name. Magnus, that's right. Magnus. Character name, Magnus. Magnus Burnsides. With sideburns. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's it's super addictive. It, uh, part of the problem is that I subscribe to like 11 new podcasts over the Christmas holiday, all of them from the Maximum Fun Network. Yeah. You might hear a few thousand plugs for the Maximum Fun Network from this point on. Yeah, because Lady Lady, Judge John Hodgman, we got this. Tights and Fights. Trying to think of all the Max Fun oh, shows gosh. I listened to. My brother, still my buffering. brother, and me still buffering. Sawbones, um, Beef and Dairy Podcast Network, Schmanners. That's delightful. Bunker Buddies. I've learned a lot of stuff about etiquette for strange situations, like gym etiquette, yep. bar etiquette. Bar etiquette was really interesting. Be too surprised if uh, Taylor Smurl showed up on that one because he's a bartender. And then there's trends like these and. There's a lot of others. Court appointed. That, yeah, there's a lot that I haven't subscribed to. Yeah. Because honestly, I don't have that much time in my life. Was um, it Dead Pilot Society? Dead Pilot Society is cool. It is really cool. The sound quality is not the best because I swear they only have one microphone. Yeah, and they put it in the middle of the room. Maybe like they also. Well, I guess that's 
Because you said they do like a table read, so that's yeah, very possible. Yeah, it's basically like a table read. Um, yeah. Without, I mean, it's just like a flat out, just a read through. Yep. There's not sound, it's not like black table reads. There's not sound effects, there's not music, there's none of that. Yeah, the blacklist um, table read. But, um, it, but they're um, all comedy pilots. So they're all about a half hour long. <laughs> that never got to air. That's the terrible thing about the industry is you never find out why. Yeah. It's fun about Max Fun is like Lin-Manuel Miranda is a big fan. Oh, yeah. And showed up on Still Buffering. Oh, yeah. He's also been on Can I Pet Your Dog. Yeah. He was on the first episode of Can I Pet Your Dog. Because a lot of podcasts are hosted by celebrities. But with the McElroys, they just are podcasting legends because they're just so good at it. Well, you Griffin know? is one of... Forbes magazine's 30 under 30. Nice. So. And uh, their dad, Clint, was in radio for years. Mm -hmm. And so they just have that kind of experience in their bloodline. And a lot of them know quite a bit about social media and stuff. So. And they're just delightful human beings. Just really funny. Oh, the Flop House. Yeah. That's another Max Fun show. And then there's the one that Griffin does with his wife about The Bachelor that I can't remember the name of. Oh, yeah. Um, Rose Buddies? That's it. Rose Buddies. Yeah. But we're not big fans of The Bachelor, so it's like, meh, meh. It's just, yeah. And like I said, I only have so much time in it. Yeah, because you subscribed to ones I hadn't. Pistol Shrimps Radio. Is that one? No, that one's, I think, on Earwolf. Yeah, that one's on Earwolf. Yeah, okay. I get confused because they know John Hodgman and... There's a lot of crossover in podcasting as well, you guys know. Yep. Because although we're on gentlemansgrandhouserecords.com for now. For now. <laughs> until it changes its name. Name change coming um, soon. We still have close ties to the Geek Planet Online shows, like the Black Dog Podcast and... Hypnagoria. Hypnagoria and the Boardcast, mm-hmm. uh, Space Doc Jury, you know, those shows. The Adventure Zone, very well recommended. Our friend Matt... Loves it as well. Matt from last week's podcast. Last week's. From last podcast. He was my shout out. He was your shout out. Matt Say is awesome. He's awesome. He's awesome. awesome. Oh my God. I waxed on a very long time about Adventure Zone. No, it's okay. Um, Do we get into a review maybe? Sure. The Expanse? Let's go with The Expanse. Okay, I knew nothing about The Expanse, what, about three and a half weeks ago, a month ago? Right. I saw various European friends that had posted about how good it was without saying anything else. Like, I'm pretty sure Wayne Talbot was one of those people. Mm, makes um, sense. 99.999% sure. And I kept seeing it on Amazon Prime Video, and I thought, Ugh. I don't know. It looks like kind of sci-fi thing. Maybe we ought to give it a go because people we trust really like it. Yeah, Space Doc Jury would talk about it every once in a while when they are, were referring to the science of spaceships. Yes. Because in that, it's really good. Well, it's they've like 2001 done, style. They've good. done much consulting with NASA. Yep. Which is good because NASA, unfortunately, isn't doing a whole lot uh, to get people into space because there's no space program anymore. Mm. Um, so, I mean, that's not 100% true. Yeah. I should say there's it's no shuttle program anymore. Severely limited at this time. Yeah. So we watched episode one, and we're like, well, this this seems all right. This seems interesting. And by the end of the episode, we're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so we basically binge-watched it in about four days. Another episode of The Expanse? You're like, yes. We watched, I think, the last three in one day. Yeah. Because I just did not want to stop. 
And, I mean, I literally knew nothing about it. Well, speaking of role-playing, it's based somewhat on a role-playing game. It is based on a role-playing game, which then turned into novels, which people say uh, are good story-wise, but the writing isn't that great. Mm. Um, but then it got turned into a series, and it's mis- it's a misconception a bit, because you see sci-fi original on it and go, oh, God. But then you watch it, because there are a few sci-fi originals that are good. Well, you remember the Battlestar Galactica, though. That does split opinion. I thought it was really good, and I'm an old-school Battlestar Galactica fan, yep. so they won me over. Yeah, and it's a bit like that. It has it's, the same kind of feel, but it's it's, sort a, of is. it's its own universe. It really is. It's humanity 200 years in the future. With Mormons. With Mormons. That cracked me the hell up the first time we saw a Mormon. Yeah. Extremely accurate, except they travel alone. But that kind of makes sense because it is the expanse. Maybe mm-hmm. they just can't afford to send two missionaries. They have to send one. Or maybe they just uh, felt like it was easier to just send one. It was less intimidating to yeah. to proselytize that way. I yeah. don't know. I didn't know Thomas Jane was in it, so I was really excited when I saw his name in the credits. With a really cool haircut that I saw somebody on the bus with. It, it's, so. uh, it's pretty It's pretty wicked. It's a bit like Game of Thrones, as in it's all about a struggle for power, really. Uh, and you can't remember most people's names. Yeah. So it is very like Game of Thrones. That. Agreed. It's like, I remember Miller. Well, it has <laughs> different story arcs taking place at the same time. Because there's Earth, there's Mars, which it seems like they're doing a lot more Mars in the second season. Well, yeah, they didn't. we didn't even see Mars. Yeah. I mean, we saw Martians on a giant military cruiser. But we didn't see Mars. Yeah, humanity expands, settles Mars. It becomes its own separate entity in a very Babylon 5 kind of way. It basically broke away. It wanted to be independent. It's and like, then you guys don't have any reign over us. Come on. The asteroid belts. There's a lot of belters out there doing mining and stuff. And the moon is colonized. Yeah, and well. supplying stuff to both Mars and Earth, but not reaping the best... Of- rewards for it they are the dock workers they're doing all the work and getting the least amount they're the slaves they're the slaves yeah pretty much and over the last 200 years people who have been born in the belts they've developed their own language their own accent Mm -hmm. etc and they're tall they have their own kind of gestures and stuff like that Mm. because they've grown up in zero g they have very fragile bones it's not zero g but it's 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 a lot lighter gravity Because they refer to that every once in a while. Yeah. That they've grown up in zero G, even though there is some gravity. Because well, when they're out mining, they're in zero G. Yeah. So very difficult to film in a purely zero G environment. Though they do good wire work to fake it. They did really good wire work. I was really impressed with that. And the CG isn't off-putting. They use it to effect. Mm -hmm. It's gritty and it's dirty and it's real. And it's on Amazon. And it's on Amazon Prime. And season two starts on Wednesday, February 1st. Nice. This coming Wednesday. And I'm super excited because I, I think it's a brilliant show. And I want to see more of the LDSS Nauvoo, <laughs> the giant spaceship with a yep. giant angel Moroni. Or is the giant angel Moroni the spaceship? I'm just not sure. No, it seemed attached to it like it yeah. was a giant temple in space. Yeah. And it was in the very front of it. Giant Angel Mormon. My God, the accuracy. Those guys know a lot about Mormons, or they've mm-hmm. done a really good research. It's like South Park level. It's seriously South Park level knowledge of, yeah. of Mormons. 
which if you don't know what we mean, um, one of the guys from South Park, either, was it Trey who grew up with Mormons? Yeah, grew up with Mormons. And they grew up with goth kids too, which is yeah. why the goth kids in South Park are so accurate. I can't say enough good things about The Expanse. I think it's brilliant. And the acting, I feel, is really top-notch. And yeah. people that I didn't think I liked at first, I've ended up liking. I'm really impressed with it. Yeah, lots of twists and turns, lots of surprises. Yes, I can never predict exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. And I love that. I love for something not to be typical. Mm-hmm. I love it. It makes me so happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy to be surprised. It definitely rewards a viewing. So. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you this. The very first scene that you see... You wonder when you're going to get back to that. And then you sort of forget for a while. And then you actually start to get that the pieces of that opening scene put together. And you're like, now I really want to know. I really want to know what's going on here. I want to know what happened. Well, it opens up with a character and you think, oh, there's our main character. And then you don't see her except In, during an investigation yeah. kind of thing. And yeah. so it's like the Dracula novel where... Dracula rarely makes an appearance. He's usually just in the background somewhere. Mm -hmm. She's used a lot as a MacGuffin. And then well, you find out her story towards the end because they do kind of a, a recap and yeah. tell the story in more linear fashion. So, you know, to kind of catch you up on anything you might have missed. As Miller is investigating this whole thing, even after he's been fired, yep. it becomes an obsession for him. Oh, yeah, easily. Um, because he fancies this girl. You know, she's strong and she's independent and she's smart. Yep. And she cares about the Belters. She's earthborn, but the Belters have claimed her as one of their own. Oh, yes. Because she's just, you know, anyway. That opening scene was really amazing because it dealt with a lot of weightlessness. And there's a shot of something happening that you're going, what the hell? Mm-hmm. And then they don't really go back to that until much later. Like the last two episodes. Yeah. The and you're last like, two. Oh, so that's what happened. The way they did her hair, I, I'm like, how did they do her hair? Because it doesn't look digital, but it was digital. They just did it. Yeah, I suspected so well. it was CG, that they did wire work with CG, and they did, and it looks great it's not distracting at all when they film something like that with someone underwater you can tell that they're underwater yeah because the face just and they get kind of a bloated eye thing and you can tell they're holding their breath and that sort of thing yeah it's like that scene in guardians of the galaxy when gamora's in the pod and she gets blasted mm -hmm. and she's just drifting out in space and quill goes after her and gives her his helmet and you know and then he's waiting for yondu to come pick yeah. him up and it's like yeah obviously that was filmed in water it was obvious that it was filmed in water, just the way they moved and the way their skin looked, etc. But this didn't look like that, and so I was just fascinated by how well it was done. Yes. Just anytime there's weightlessness, it's just done so well. Just just go watch it. Go watch it. If you like really good sci-fi, just go watch it. Good, intelligent sci-fi. With a good mystery. Good world building. Takes its time without being plotting. It makes you care, man. Lots of great background stuff. Makes you care. Uh, shall we move on to some feedback? Yes, because we have epic feedback. Yep, Con sent us some feedback, which I didn't catch in my uh, you know my Gmail account for a while. But sometimes it doesn't show stuff because I had didn't, gone in there. Didn't catch. Yeah. As in you didn't check your email I for that email address for weeks. I seem to have checked it more recently than that and it didn't come up. But then no. my inbox is weird. No, it's so, not. No. If you're looking at your inbox on your phone, uh -huh. there are three 
different ways that they'll display it. You can't look at Gmail properly through the mail app on your phone. Right. You have to look at it through the Gmail app. Oh, I see. Because it separates things into three categories. It separates things, and it'll do this on the actual web thing as well, into primary, social, and promotions. Right. And if you don't check all of those, you can miss something. But in any case, it used to be it would just display them all, but now it separates them. I, th I honestly think that Gmail is a pain in the ass. It is. I don't like the social thing at all because I don't need people from Twitter on my email. That's why I have Twitter. Well, you can tell Twitter not to email you. That's true. <laughs> that's your fault, well, babe. It's uh, just, it seems like everything you need to set up notifications or turn them off. No. When you set up an account on Twitter, you can tell it, imme I mean, immediately. Just tick the box that says send notifications. Okay. That's all you have to do. So, yeah, it's very easy to miss things if you don't have the actual Gmail app. And then... See, I have Inbox, but I don't have a Gmail app. Inbox, because of the way Gmail works, they'll be the last emails to come in and the last ones to get deleted once you delete them. It'll uh -huh. show deleted in your mail app, but you can still go into Gmail and see them there. Uh -huh. Because it will take hours before they're deleted, I swear. <laughs> and I don't know why that is. Google is full of assholes? I don't know. Yep. Colin, in the future, anything you want me to do for you, you've got to send it to me directly because <laughs> we cannot trust Dave. I think this is proven that we cannot trust Dave. We love Dave, Clearly. but we cannot trust Dave to check his email regularly. So if you have something that you want me to do for you as far as voiceover stuff, please send it to me directly. <laughs> you have my email address. I know you do. So yeah, you're more likely to check it than I am. I check mine several times a day. Yeah, and see, I don't. You don't even check yours several times a month. You gotta get in that habit, honey. Yep. You got to. So anyway, sorry, Colin. I apologize profusely, and I will get that stuff to you as soon as I can get my head screwed on straight. So shall we play Colin's feedback? Yes, let's. Hello, beautiful strangers. It's Colin again. I'm not dead, and I'm still listening. The problem recently has been that a while back, iTunes decided to eat all my unlistened to podcasts. So I've spent a long time re-downloading and re-listening to all the stuff I had stored up, including your show. So I haven't had the chance to send in some feedback recently. In some places, I felt the need to make comments like, I vehemently disagree with you about Hail Caesar, which I really, really liked. But it seems rather pointless now to give you my opinion on that. But your last episode, as I'm recording this, has inspired me. The episodes on Christian music that Dave put out has inspired me to do something I sometimes like to do, and that's put together an audio essay using the music of a particular artist. Now, this is a well-known artist. It's an artist you will have heard of, most people will have heard of, but the rules are that as long as you editorialize about a track and as long as you play a maximum of 30 seconds, in fact, one of the clips was exactly 30 seconds, you are absolutely fine under fair use. So I am going to play several clips from well-known musical tracks, but you are absolutely fine in a legal standpoint. So let me start by saying that 
Christian music, in adverted commas, I think is a rather specific genre. It has a rather specific purpose in general. And in general, that purpose is to proselytize. It is trying to promote the ideas of Christianity and maybe even to convert people to the ideas of Christianity. And in most places, I find that very problematic and in some cases rather offensive. I mean, the track that Dave played uh, was Salvation Code. I found a particularly offensive example of this proselytizing. So that is what Christian music is or what it has become. But I think there is a different aspect to using Christianity in music, and that is what I want to explore. There is a large group of people out there who use the imagery and the iconography of Christianity and of religion and of belief to do something completely different. And that's what I want to explore using the musical history of one particular artist. And I'm going to play my first clip now, and hopefully that should tell you exactly which musical artist I am going to be talking about. So I hope you and the listeners to the Dark Corner podcast will have instantly recognised that that is the opening of Red Right Hand by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And that is who I want to talk about. Nick Cave has, throughout his career, which has spanned close to 40 years now, throughout his entire career, he has used the imagery and the iconography of Christianity. But he has, at best, an ambivalent attitude to faith and religion. That track, Red Right Hand, is probably his most well-known track. I mean, it's a toss-up between Red Right Hand and Where the Wild Roses Grow. I mean, if you asked the average person on the street to name a Nick Cave track, those are the two that would most likely come up. And Red Right Hand does use very apocalyptic, very demonic imagery within its track. And that aspect of the track has been used effectively over many years in various media. I mean, most notably, for me personally, in the Stephen King miniseries The Stand, where that was basically the theme tune of Randall Flagg. So he uses the imagery of the devil in his track, and he has used imagery from Christianity throughout his career. This next clip is the opening line of the track Nobody's Baby Now from 1994. I've searched the holy books I tried to unravel the mystery of Jesus Christ the Savior And this is the opening line of his track Into My Arms from 1997 
I don't believe in an interventionist God. But I know, darling, that you do. And in those two examples, we have a rather hopeful, a rather open idea of faith as an avatar for love and for relationships and for finding peace within a relationship and comparing that to the peace you find with a relationship to God. But Nick Cave throughout his career has also used a rather negative attitude towards Christianity and belief. And there are a couple of examples where he uses Christian iconography in order to tell other stories. One of his very, very early singles, in fact, it was his second ever single, was Tupelo, which reforms the birth of Elvis Presley within an apocalyptic rainstorm and basically compares it to the second coming of Christ. I mean, it's a brutal, a visceral, a really, really exciting track. And here is a clip of Tupelo from Even towards the end of his career, he did a similar thing, using iconography from Christianity in order to tell a different story. The title track of his 2008 album, Dig Lazarus Dig, takes the miracle of Lazarus, of resurrecting somebody from the grave, and retells it in the modern day imagining what would happen if Lazarus was resurrected into modern-day America. And this is a clip from Dig Lazarus Dig from 2008. City man, San Francisco, LA, I don't know. But Larry grew increasingly neurotic and obscene. I mean, he, he never asked to be raised up from a tomb. I mean, no one ever actually asked him to forsake his dreams. And that final line, I think, really sums up what Nick Cave was trying to do with the track and indeed the album, which is something of a concept album, Dig Lazarus Dig. He has said in interviews that he was always horrified by the miracle of Lazarus and the story of Lazarus, asking, did he actually want to be resurrected? And I think that's a really interesting idea and does present a thought-provoking attitude towards Christianity. And I think that is what Nick Cave has consistently done throughout his career. So there is an overview of basically the entire career of Nick Cave, or at least his work with The Bad Seeds. And you can see that he has consistently used Christianity as a launching point, as a structure for his music. But the crucial factor is 
that he is not a Christian. He is not trying to proselytize. He's using these ideas and these images to work through stuff in his own mind. At various times throughout his career, when people ask him, are you a Christian? Are you a man of faith? He has answered both yes and no. I think at the very least, he has a very ambivalent attitude to religion and certainly does not agree with organised religion. And that is something which comes through strongly in his music. What I think Nick Cave has been doing in his musical career is trying to deal with his own personal ideas about God and about faith and using it in his art as a framework to tell those stories. There is value in these ideas, these images, but he is not necessarily holding to them. He is not trying to convert. He is not trying to promote. He is just using those ideas to tell stories. And that, I think, is my personal viewpoint on religion. It is useful as a framework, but it is not useful in order to live your life by. If you only do good things in life because you expect a reward in the afterlife, then you're doing something wrong. You should want and need to do the right thing simply because it's the right thing. And you can do that without faith, without organised religion. And that is what I choose to do. And from what I've heard of you over the years, I think that's what both Dave and Brandy think as well. So that, I think, is my viewpoints on Christian music. Use it as a starting point to create art. Think about all the great pieces of art in literature, in painting, in music, in sculpture that have been inspired by Christianity over the years. It has done great things. But in the Crusades, in the Inquisition, in the Ku Klux Klan, the use of Christianity has also had unbelievably negative effects on the world as well. So an ambivalent attitude is best in general, I think, and that's where I stand. But yes, your special on Christian music inspired me to think about what Christian music means to me, and the music of Nick Cave, I think, does demonstrate a different perspective on quote-unquote Christian music. So yeah, I've probably gone on far too long already, so let's wrap this up now and say farewell for now i'm going to admit this <laughs> colin please do not kill me <laughs> i knew nothing about nick cave before colin's feedback ah. i had heard of nick cave that is it right i couldn't have picked one of his songs out of anything i'd never heard any of his music i mean none of the clips that you played sounded familiar I don't know how this happened. <laughs> All I can say is that my musical education was stunted. We've talked about this on the podcast before. At the time that I was 30, I pretty much was only just discovering what I actually really liked. And it probably wasn't until 2005 that I really found my thing. I don't have the biggest Nick Cave collection either. I have a few things here and there. And I know he did a lot of um and still does a lot of soundtracks and stuff particularly like westerns i think the murder of 
whatever by whatever. It's super <laughs> duper long title. <laughs> was the murder of Jesse James by the coward somebody somebody? I. It's really stupid that I can't remember that goddamn movie name. Uh, he's looking it up as we speak. Well, it's dumb that I... It's a really popular, well-regarded movie that's super-duper long. I should just go what Nick Cave soundtrack. Get down track. Jeez. Okay. The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, which is two hours and 40 minutes long, so not as long as I thought it was. Still long. But yeah, he did the soundtrack for that. Yes. So I apologize profusely. Stunted musical education. I really enjoyed that idea of not proselytizing by using Christian imagery. Who wants a preachy song? Nobody. Well, some Christian mu music is more like a celebration of Christ as well without actually preaching it. It's like you're preaching to the choir, essentially. Yeah. Well, like and then, Creed or somebody like that. Well, then there's there's a Christian band called Red that actually there's a lot of darkness in their songs. And I think it's about the struggle of trying to get to that level where you're okay with yourself uh -huh. uh, through religion. Just as Eddie Izzard said, if you institutionalize an idea, I think it can go wrong. <laughs> yes. I believe the religion, religions are philosophies with some good ideas and some fucking weird ones. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much how I swing when it comes to religion. And, and Colin, you're right. I don't do things for the sake of any kind of reward because I don't believe in rewards for doing what you should be doing. I just believe that you should help where you can. Yeah, is a is an act right and good if you do it in expectation of reward? No. Because then it becomes a selfish act. Yeah, if you do it in expectation of reward or recognition, Taylor Swift, then you, then it's not a good act. <laughs> or if you don't do something because of fear of punishment or reproach. Yeah, again, I don't do bad things like that because I don't want to. But then there's also consequential thinking, which is just basic psychology. If you do this, this will happen. That's why laws are in place. Because yeah. unfortunately, we cannot trust people to just behave themselves. That's the way it should be, but religion has kind of destroyed that. Mm. So we can't trust people to behave themselves without fear of punishment or promise of reward. And speaking of Nick Cave, one of my all-time favorite covers is a Stromkern cover of The Mercy Seat, which also has references to Christianity. Nick Cave talking about basically a guy on an electric chair getting fried as he just reflects back on his life. And there's references to knowing that Christ was born in a manger. And was he the son of God? Who really knows? In heaven his throne is made of gold. The ark of his testament is stone. The throne from which I'm told history does unfold. Down here is a made of a wooden wire. And my body is on fire. And God is never far away. Into the mercy seat I climb. My head is shaking. My head is wired. Like the moth that tries to enter the bright eye. I go shuffling my life just to hide in death a while. Just let me reiterate, we have a lot of Christian friends. And we have Christian friends who listen to this podcast. Yes. Podcast. Pod we both Podcac? can't speak, apparently. Podcast. I haven't had a good night's sleep in at least a week. Yeah. And I in no way mean to 
devalue your beliefs or your ideals because I think that honestly a lot of Christians would be great people even if they weren't religious. If Christianity works for you, more power to you. It doesn't work for me. I tried it and it doesn't work for me. And I agree that you can be spiritual without being religious and that you can be kind without being worried about doing it because you want earthly or heavenly rewards. Yes. Yeah, I gotta pick your poison, I guess, is the, <laughs> the saying. Yeah. Um, Steve Jobs considered himself a Buddhist, but I really don't look at his life and see Buddhism there. I don't either. Yeah, I don't either. So. It, was, it was just too filled with things. A pettiness. And pettiness. And attachment to... To worldly to things. ego, yeah, which ego. is a very un-Buddhist thing, so... Yeah, yeah. it's... But anyway... It's um, like, I believe he liked to go go into work and fire people and then Steve would hire them again. <laughs> yeah. So what we're saying is if you are religious, that doesn't make you rabid or crazy or uh, that you're trying to shove your beliefs down everyone's throat. And if you're not religious, that doesn't mean you're a bad person that's going to hell. Well, that's the old theory of the hammer is it's a tool. A hammer can be used to build a house. It can be used to crush somebody's skull in. Religion is the same way. It's a tool. Mm -hmm. You can use it for your own enlightenment, or you can use it to restrict people's rights, or... Or slaughter a bunch of brown people, yeah. or... Because that's the issue, is could you have Christianity, or what we used to call the Christian veneer, is the appearance of Christianity without actually being Christianity. You mean like a lot of politicians? Yes, is yeah. the whole, I'm close to them on their lips, but far from their heart. Yeah, thing. they draw near unto me with their lips, but their hearts are far from yeah, me. Yeah, that's the quote. Yeah, that's a quote from the Bible, <laughs> bitches. Yeah, that... I'm pretty sure that was the Bible. <laughs> if it was the Book of Mormon, I'm in trouble. <laughs> well, still, it's a good quote. Ah, it is Matthew 15, 8. Nice. So it is... That'd be fun to bring to a wrestling ring. <laughs> and uh, apparently it's also Isaiah twenty nine thirteen, But I think it's Matthew 15, 8 in the King James Version. <laughs> one of the hits. Um, one of the hits, boo! Don't hide your light under a bushel or whatever that one is. Joseph Smith uh, kind of co-opted that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, if he's speaking of Christ visiting the Americas, or at least North America, then... Certainly there's going to be some hits that he... It's like the grand tour of Jesus <laughs> around the world. It's like he's got to play the hits, you know, at least in the encore. Yeah, I couldn't make it here when I was alive, so here I am in my resurrected form. Was that the resurrection was an encore? Yeah, that was the resurrection. Ah, nice. That's when Jesus came here, was during the resurrection, after the resurrection. After the resurrection. Yeah, he, he did, basically, he did an encore tour. The, yeah, because you play Europe first. Well, oh. actually, you play the Middle East. <laughs> yeah, well, he he played the Middle East first. Yep, okay. It was an interesting you, decision. Normally you play Europe and then you come to the States and this and play the Middle East and then play the United States. Yeah, which is, different. which is interesting because Europe wasn't really Europe back then. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it was it kind of was starting to be Europe, <laughs> but it wasn't really Europe yet. <laughs> so, you know, 33 AD. Yeah. <laughs> <So. laughs> Anyway, I'm they had sorry. the druids, I guess. Yeah, long white beards, long white robes. Didn't get their long. Uh, didn't have their shaving together, together yet. Yeah. Uh, I was making a point, and now it's completely escaped me. I'm sorry. That's all right. It was just basically the idea that the conservative right clings to. I got it now. Okay, clings to a god and uses 
this higher authority as justification for what they do, particularly the restriction of the rights of gays and lesbians and stuff of that nature. But you can only do that with the dead God. You can't do that with a living God. Mm -hmm. Because a living God will say otherwise. Yep. In other words, that, you know, if, if Jesus was around sitting next to you and you said some of that stuff, he could turn and say, just look at the New Testament. Look, you know, the if you see a man without a shirt, you know, remove the shirt from back and hand it to them. Or the whole, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle and a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. There's all these things that suggest that Jesus Christ was a socialist <gasps> or a full-on communist. Oh my God! And yet the conservative right clings to this idea that they're the party of God, when actually the Democratic Party is closer in deeds, not words, scenario. And also they welcome everyone. That Exactly. It's a big tent. It's hanging out with prostitutes and lepers. Mm -hmm. It's not this, this weird, extreme, far-right, conservative Christian movement that one, one is very much institutionalized in conservative politics where you do get rewards on earth. And that just is weird to me. Now I had a point. <laughs> I'd forgotten because you wouldn't shut up, Dave. No, I love you. Well, I had, had finally no, got I know. back to no, my I know. point. Just, just give me a second. Well, it's, it's that saying that when someone is privileged, equality feels like oppression. Exactly. So when someone's used to privilege and power, having to have other people be equal, oh, now I'm being oppressed. No, you are not. <laughs> Equality does not mean that you're suddenly less than. The idea that, let's say we have a pizza pie. A pizza and pie. we split that pizza pie up into 75% and 25%. Pizza pie. Because if suddenly you're getting that other 25%, that's 25% less I'm getting. And that's going to seem like I'm losing something. But rather than you're gaining something. It's not that concrete. <laughs> nope. It's, Equal rights are mm -hmm. not a finite resource. It's when people get power, they don't want to relinquish it. No. And so that's why we're getting this. This white power backlash? Yeah, that's what I was going this to refer to. This white privilege backlash? backlash. Which like, mm -hmm. apparently in Arizona, you're not allowed to talk about on a college campus now. That's the restriction of free speech on a college mm -hmm. campus. Yep. Ugh. It's disgusting, isn't it? The more... You cling to your power, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. Well, that's Not a direct the, quote. The idea behind civil disobedience is if there's a law that everybody disagrees with, if nobody follows it, what are they going to do? Arrest the entire nation? They'll try. So They'll try. Yeah. The actual quote is, the more you tighten your grip, talk, and the more star systems will slip through your fingers. Indeed. <laughs> I miss you, Carrie Fisher. So yes, good feedback. Nice to hear from you again. Yes, nice thank to know you. that you're doing raw footage again because I knew for a time that you had left podcasting for a bit due to some family obligations and such. So yeah, raw footage is back. That imperial. Sorry. So called because Colin records his uh, thoughts on cinema right after seeing the movie. <laughs> it's like first impressions, not. One of these, you know, let it sink in, and but he'll come back later sometimes, and like if something sinks in, it's like, oh yeah, this I thought more about that. <laughs> I have more to say. Epic feedback. Yes. Epic. 
Heck. Yeah. Considerable. Good times. It was it was well constructed, Colin, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, and she's actually interested in Nick Cave. If you'll forgive the analogy, it sounds like Johnny Cash and Leonard Cohen had a love child. I would say you're not wrong. That's <laughs> that's very close. With, and with that's a, not not a complaint. With like a sprinkling of Lou Reed just over. You know, the top. you're right. Yeah, you got to have that little sprinkle. Of yeah, Lou just Reed. a little sprinkle of Lou just, Reed. Just a little, just for flavor, yeah. just for seasoning. You are not wrong either. <laughs> this is album of murder ballads. Sweet. I'm going after that one first. Amazon Unlimited Music. Here I come. Try <laughs> to have uh, Alexa to see if she turn on. Of course she turned on. Yeah, but have her some play some Nick Cave for you. Well, not right this second. Alexa, I'm sorry. Dave was not talking to you. (laughs) She turned off. Yeah. Without a word. Fuck you. This is the third time you've done this to me in two days. It was funny. Her little blue light turned on. But yeah, we can play some for you later. See what you think. Speaking of music, I suppose we're about that time, aren't we? Yes. It's the dark Dark track track of of the the Fortnite. The thing. Fortnite. Fortnite. Well, Fort One through Eight have been destroyed, so we're to Fortnite. <laughs> These dang Castle Siege mobile phone games. <laughs> this one's gonna be built out of brick. Straw <laughs> and sticks did not work. We built One through Eight in the swamp, and they all fell over. Well, the last one burned down, fell over, then sank into the swamp. <laughs> yes. But the fourth one stayed up! <laughs> and that's what you're gonna get, lad! <laughs> I'm sorry. Fort Nine. Well, before we get into the dark track proper found you was checking her phone and came to some sad news i can't say it you can't say it that john hurt has passed away at the age of 77 from cancer of course cancer so the slow rapture continues hmm. grim reaper taking the best of us you know him from alien from the 1984 the elephant man film. elephant man of course elephant man mm-hmm. that black dog not that long ago reviewed as well as now playing because they were doing the david lynch perspective and did i say he played olivander you may have um earlier of course the war doctor and so a lot of doctor who fans i'm sure are devastated by the news as he was a fan favorite by all accounts i think i was a fan long before i knew what doctor who was (laughs) yes but yeah i think his appearance on doctor who definitely elevated the program I agree. Fuck you. Whoever you are that's taking all of these people, <laughs> fuck you. Cancer incarnate. It's not all been cancer, but yeah. there's been yeah, a Prince lot Prince was a drug overdose, painkiller, I think, so opiates. Fucking opiates. Yeah. Anyway, on or with the opioids. show. opioids. On with the show. <laughs> if we can continue after that. I'm, I'll, I can deal. Yep. So our dark track comes from the band Beauty Queen Autopsy which is a joint project between Unwoman and Caustic. Unwoman is fascinating. She's pretty well established in the steampunk community. She does that kind of Victorian industrial stuff like Emily Autumn and Emily Park's kind of somewhere in there, though softer. You know, they don't have as harsh a sound. Mm. Yeah, this is their own project, and I was delivered a promotional EP called Good Giving Game. And on that EP is a placebo cover of Pure Morning. 
Morning as in the beginning of the day, not morning yeah, as in sad about somebody. R-N-I-N-G. So dawn, you know, sunrise. Yeah. Yeah, morning. Pure morning. And so I suppose we can play that for you and speak of it afterwards. Yeah. 
your opinion being a placebo fan i liked this cover a lot i usually don't like covers because they make it sound so far they 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 don't do it in the spirit of the song ah i see what you mean and so when you take something and just try to be like super different just to be different yeah and you lose what the song is about what the intent of the song is but i liked this a lot yeah it has the same kind of spirit and that kind of tongue-in-cheek kind of attitude that the original had. It reminds me of what Collide would do with covers. Yes. Is that you have the kind of the harshness of the music. Because this one, they really dropped the bass mm-hmm. in it. And, and I really like to have that. her ethereal vocals over that. But kind of somewhat disinterested vocals, too. It's like... Yeah. it w- It's like... It almost it was almost haughty. Exactly. I guess that's the word I want to use. Yeah, you know, I, you know I what, agree. what I mean. It's yeah. just like, ugh, I can't be bothered to do this, but I'm going to mm-hmm. anyway. Especially when she spins that uh, boxing clever line. Mm-hmm. Now she's boxing clever. Yep. <laughs> and I like that song anyway. I like the original a lot. And Me too. So to hear Beauty Queen Autopsy's take on it, it's like, oh, good giving game. The title song of that EP is quite good too. Yeah. It's got this kind of sexy edge to it. And so a bit distinct in in tone. So it'll make interesting pairing. A good cover is a difficult balance to strike because you can't depart so fully from the original that the song becomes unrecognizable. Yeah. And yet you can't follow it too closely or else why did you bother? Yeah, because you kind of want to take the song and make it your own, but not lose sight of what the song is. You yes. want to honor the songwriter. Yes. And so many bands do not get that. Otherwise, what's the point? Just like you said. Yeah. If it's too far removed, you lose the essence of the song. Which is the why... The soul of the song. Yeah. Which is why Take Me to Church by Hozier, sung by a woman, is never going to work. Yeah. Oh, but somebody did it. It's like, great, now you sound like a slave to this guy. (laughs) Good job. The woman in the song, original song, she's the one with the power. Because gender swapping songs can be tricky. And it's usually not a good idea. Yeah, because they've tried that with a few Christmas songs. And it's like, "Mm." Yeah, I'm sorry, but switching the genders on Baby It's Cold Outside does not make it less (laughs) creepy enough. Yeah. Because that is a rapey song. And Santa Baby sung by a guy just doesn't work. Oh, that is so wrong. It's, it's almost sinister. It's just... Yeah. Mm, mm. <laughs> mm, mm. I'm doing my Michelle Obama stank face. Mm. 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 <laughs> uh, anyway, I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I would listen to that again. Yeah, I like that band a lot. It's, it's a good collaboration. Indeed. And I was excited to see that Unwoman was involved. Renee of Aztlan Turf Podcast got to interview her. Oh, lucky. Through her ties with Kilted Farmer, because she was touring, and so they had a live interview. Sweet. You know, right up on stage, and interesting woman. But yeah, it's it seems to be definitely a year of the woman right now. As strong as the start, as long as everybody keeps at it, shoulder yeah. to the wheel. You can go ahead and make stupid laws and try and take away our rights, but there are more of us than men. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you want to dig in, 
We're ready for a long, protracted battle. We've been fighting this battle for thousands of years. Yes, indeed. And we'll fight it for thousands more until we are equal. Until every girl has the same opportunity as every boy. Exactly. Until every minority or different sexuality or different religion has the same opportunity as Christianity and straight people. <laughs> the three of you enter a cave of a big red dragon and is standing over a hoard of precious golden rubies. And he says, what do you do, adventures? I'm a dragon man. I cast fire on him. It's very good. I address the red dragon to say, us, we're the hosts of The Adventure Zone, a podcast about family playing Dungeons and Dragons. Very good synergy. Commit to the bit. I, I, <laughs> I roll to charm new listeners. It is very effective <laughs> against all odds. Everybody, we're the Macroids. We host the Adventure Zone. It's a podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons together. It's a comedy podcast. We don't take the rules too seriously because there's a lot of them and we did not take the time to learn them. Maybe listen to us. We come out every other Thursday on the Maximum Fun Network. You can find us on iTunes or on MaximumFun.org. I think this promo is a critical hit. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. Woo! It's the year of the cock. It is the year of the cock. <laughs> it's the cock. <laughs> year of the rooster, year of the chicken, year of cock. Which, it's, a, it's a cock. It's year of the cock, which explains why Trump got inaugurated. <laughs> she looked at me. Because he's definitely a cock. Yeah, that's, that was the joke. So, yes, Chinese New Year follows the lunar calendar, and so it arrives in either January or February. So this is one of the earlier times it falls, which is on the 28th. So we're recording the day before. I've lost track. I keep thinking it's like the 23rd of January. I'm like, what are you talking about? February's next week. It is the 27th of January. And so tomorrow will be the year of the cock. (laughs) Uh, The Chinese Zodiac's quite interesting, as we've discussed in our previous episodes in this series because i think the last one we did was cheeky monkey about year of the monkey cheeky monkey yep is that yeah there's 12 animals of the zodiac though dragon is kind of that what's he doing in there kind of thing (laughs) hey there are creatures that are actually called dragons that live on this earth at this time exactly so there but they also go in five cycles because there's the five elements of chinese cosmology and so it cycles through the 12 animals, but also the five cycles. So it's actually a 60-year sequence. Mm-hmm. So essentially, pretty much a lifespan. Yeah. <laughs> and right now, it's the fire rooster or fire cock. <laughs> and fire, it's passionate. <laughs> uh, fire clings. Fire's brilliant, so there's an intelligence behind it. Fire burns. Fire burns brilliantly. It consumes. Its enemy is water. What fears fire is metal. Wood feeds fire. And then fire feeds earth. Because fire turns to ash, which is earth. So let's talk about the Chinese zodiac, the celestial animals, and where the rooster fits in. So the emperor of heaven was trying to determine the 12 animals of the zodiac. And there were essentially two ways you could get in. Either you're useful or you win a race. Or you pass through the eye of a needle. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so so if you take the ox, which is the most useful of all the animals, because of it's a beast of burden, plus it... Yeah, Brandy was born in the year of the ox. 
plus it supplies people with meat. And so it was originally supposed to be the first through the gate, but its friend the rat convinced the ox to let it ride on her back. And just as they reached the gate of the kingdom of heaven, the rat jumped off and ran through and became the first of all the Zodiac. And I was born in the year of the rat. Yes, yes, you were. Yet even so, because I guess the ox is so forgiving that the rat and the ox remain close friends. Yeah, the ox probably went, Dick move, rat, dick move. (laughs) Oh, I can't stay mad at you. So the rooster fits in as the rooster was friends with the horse. And the ox and the pig. All the farm animals kind of get along. The rooster is talking to, to the horse like, how how you get into the kingdom of heaven? And the horse was like, well, I'm yeah, I'm useful. You know, I can pull a, a plow around the field. People can ride me into town. I just provide. So that's all you really have to do. The chicken's like, well, I really don't provide that much. It's like, well, you got your song. And so, you know, to wake people up in the morning. That's a myth. They do that all day. Yep, they, they do. do. And we'll get into that because the... The rooster is interesting with the Chinese Zodiac is there are several stories around the rooster. And that happens to a few of them, like uh, the dragon gets a lot of stories as well. But the uh, rooster decides to get into the race as well to like, uh, just secure the bets, you know, just make sure all the bases are loaded. And is racing along and is like neck and neck with the dog. And the one restriction on the rooster was that there was no flying. But the rooster spread its wings to get ahead of the dog and... One, but uh, the dog got very angry, and to this day, dogs chase chickens. They're still resentful. Well, who can blame them? Yes. The cock's a fucking cheater. (laughs) What a surprise. And another story is that the dragon and the tiger were very well matched, to the point where the Emperor of Heaven wasn't sure which one was better than the other, and so he had a contest as to which would look the most ferocious. Dragon needed an edge to get over the tiger, and he knew that the rooster at this time sported an impressive horn. <laughs> I know that sounds like I'm making an erection joke. Is that why you're laughing? Yep. <laughs> the rooster's friend, the centipede, convinced the rooster to lend the dragon the horn. But the dragon never wanted to give it back. Because <laughs> he would look so impressive with this horn. And he won the contest, you know, how who looks more ferocious. The tiger or the dragon, and the dragon won because of this impressive horn, never gave it back to the chicken. Chickens would look ridiculous with horns. Yep. And so ever since then, the uh, the roosters had it in for the centipede and eats them all well, day long. Duh. <laughs> so those are the stories behind the rooster and how it got into the kingdom of heaven and how it relates to the other animals. You can see that the, the dog and the, the rooster would not get along well you know the rooster basically it got burned you know yep with the whole thing with the dragon and so it burned with the dragon (laughs) (laughs) and so you know it decided you know what everyone else is a dick i'm gonna be a dick too yeah and so the rooster's a cock (laughs) well the rooster's long been known for its confidence and its aggression and another thing the the whole cock crowing thing and how it's so noisy mm-hmm. that's it swearing about the centipede <clears throat> all the time just <laughs> yes well, cocks are very noisy yep and cocksure and you know all these terms we have about roosters and being like a coxman or something like that you know references to sexuality for one thing also the strutting the preening 
a lot of these things relate to supposedly people who are born in the year of the rooster. Oh, like the word cocky. Yeah, cocky. People are who are born in the year of the rooster are known for their confidence. They like to be the center of attention. They like the spotlight. They really enjoy conversation, but they don't like it when it gets too deep. They like the conversation to keep flowing. And so most of it's kind of light dialogue. If things get a little too intense, it's like they're kind of shy away from that and try to redirect the conversation into something less less in-depth. Because they don't have anything below their surface. <laughs> because they're cocks. Well, there is something, but it's meant for people who are really close. Because there is a vulnerability. There's a sensitivity, but it's beneath the surface. I know. I'm not saying... Yeah. I'm not actually saying that about people born in the year of the rooster. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying the cocks, cocks are cocks. Cocks are cocks. And there's a little bit of that to people born in the year of the rooster. Of the Zodiac, they're known to be the best dressed, the best put together. They're very much into making an impression. They're quick to act, often reckless, which is probably their worst trait is that they often act before thinking. <laughs> mm. Yes, be sure brain is in gear before engaging mouth. Yes, it's that uh, that aggression, lack of patience kind of thing. They can be criticized as being a bit of an ex exhibitionist. <laughs> so they... I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't find that surprising at all. Yep. And they'll, they'll often agree to this, but yeah, they have a, a more compassionate and quieter side meant for close friends. Basically, they put on a show for the public. Yeah. Very independent of spirit. They don't like to be told what to do. They prefer Nobody to... likes to be told what to do. Well, certain people do, but they tend to be far more meek in personality. Oh, uh, no. Like S uh, the sheep. Like mm. people born in the year of the sheep, I think, are ones that like direction from outside. Yes, but they still don't like to be told oh, what told to what do. Oh, told what to do. Suggested. Suggested maybe. is one thing, but told. Provided a framework. Mm-hmm. Because there's a difference between you should try this or you should do this as to you're doing this. <laughs> yes, very true. Very different things. So people born in the year of the rooster don't take advice because <laughs> they're pretty sure of their own judgment. Also, they're very likely to be blunt in conversation. They say whatever they want. And it's not to be mean. It's just they tend to prefer honesty. And so, you know, they'll just say what's on their mind and not realize that that could possibly hurt people's feelings. That cat is purring on your lap. Oh, Andy's settling. Roosters make good performers, as you would expect, with them liking the spotlight as much as they do. In love, early on, they'll play the field quite a bit. They like the hunt, but will settle in once they uh, match up with somebody they don't want to lose. And in career, it's the independence thing again. They prefer to work at their own pace, in their own style, don't like pressure <laughs> to put upon them, don't like to be forced to make a decision. They prefer uh, to have the time to arrive to something in, in their own manner. Yeah, that's most people. <laughs> yeah. Now, some people like deadlines. It's the... Deadlines are different. Yeah. So it's difficult to manage somebody born in the year of the rooster because they just feel trapped under somebody else's uh, supervision. So would much prefer being self-employed, but somehow also in the public eye. So something like politics or public relations or anything like that. Entertainers, authors. So in short, that's the year of the rooster. 
So Brandy has um, a list of people born in the year of the rooster. This is going to make so much sense. Steve Harvey. Yes. Bernie Mac. Yes. Dan Castellaneta. Interesting. Bret Hart. Ah, the wrestler. Vanna White. Uh Uh-huh. Gloria Estefan. Nice. Steve Buscemi. (laughs) That one's a good surprise. Spike Lee. Yeah. Russell Simmons. Mm, interesting. Ray Romano. Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. Donnie Osmond. Wow. Local celebrity. Sid Vicious. Oh. Matt Lauer. Hmm. Fran Drescher? Huh. Well, I mean, that makes sense, but I can't believe she's that old. She looks fantastic. Yes. And Stephen Fry. Oh. Marlon Jackson. Michael Clark Duncan, God rest his soul. Kathy Najimy. Melanie Griffith. (laughs) One of your favorites. (laughs) Cannot stand her. No, you cannot. Never could, never will. Hans Zimmer. Daniel Day-Lewis. Caroline Kennedy. Katie Couric. uh, Brian Regan. Vince Gill. Danny Baker. LeVar Burton. Dennis Leary. That makes sense. (laughs) Daniel Stern. Colin Mockery! Nice. That makes me happy. So those are just some famous celebrities born in the year of the fire rooster. Oh, so they're not all roost like just roosters in general, just no, fire rooster. No, those are all fire roosters. Interesting. I went for the fire rooster, narrowed it down. <laughs> nice. I, I would have a lot more people to talk about for just the rooster, but I figured if it's the year of the fire rooster, let's go for it. Well, often with these Chinese New Year animal zodiac episodes we'd get into the science of it we just don't feel like it this time <laughs> yeah, yeah. so i think if we just approach the chicken in pop culture because it's a comedy staple i mean the rubber chicken is such a comedy cliche I and mean, it's like in your stand-up comic startup kit <laughs> you know yeah. especially if you're a prop comic rubber chicken is like the default thing to go to chicken little the story of the sky is falling. Yep. Oh, God. Is it Leghorn, Foghorn? Foghorn, Leghorn. Foghorn, Leghorn. And then the chicken hawk. According to the Chinese Zodiac, anytime your year falls around, it's a bad year for you. <laughs> so, like, the year of the ox would be a bad year for you. The year of the rat would be a bad year for me. And so these 12-year increments... So at age 12, age 24, age 36, age 48, age 60. More about comedy. The chi- Why did the chicken cross the road? I mean, that's old school. Um. Set up punchline kind of stuff yeah. regarding the chicken. Of course, all the different ways you can uh, prepare it for food, being a white meat. Very dangerous white meat. You don't want to just take out a chicken and just leave it around without cleaning up afterwards no and once you have handled chicken with your bare hands you must wash them completely and thoroughly and dry them before you touch other food exactly i was listening to some podcast they were talking about chickens i think it was the bugle and how there was these studies on chickens that they're a lot more intelligent than we think they are oh i agree to the point where studies show they don't prove studies show that they might be able to anticipate the future (laughs) (laughs) kind of a swagger that comes to a lot of roosters according to the traits provided that's something i should look up is um who roosters get along with and who they don't oh there's the guy in the chicken outfit that would get in fight with uh, the dude from the family guy 
I have no idea what you're talking about. It's a recurring scenario where the dad, whatever the hell his name is from Family Guy, gets in a fight with a guy in a chicken suit. Oh, the chickens in the Muppet Show. Oh, with right. Gonzo and his infatuation with chickens. According to astrologyclub.org Chinese horoscope, 2017 is the best year for dragons. This is odd. Amazing year for rooster, ox, or snake. Kind of uh, contradicting the idea that your year is usually bad for you. So I guess it depends on the site you visit too, huh? Mm-hmm. Good year for tigers and rats. Mixed year for pigs, goats, and monkeys. Difficult year for dogs, rabbits, and horses. Roosters get along with the ox and the snake. I'm not sure why the snake. Do not get along with the rat, rabbit, horse, rooster, or dog. So roosters do not do well. I guess it'd be like cockfighting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like they're just going to be a whole pecking order thing, which is an actual thing, pecking order. So fire roosters have a strong sense of time. They are trustworthy and good at managing money. I think roosters are also known for their health, but not quite to the point that horses are. <laughs> I think horses are likely the healthiest of the signs, I would suspect. Healthy as a horse. Yep. Or maybe that's just my own uh, weird cultural um, background, I suppose. Bias. Bias. That's maybe the word. Anything else you want to say about chickens? Um, they're Anything delicious. I'm sorry. Pop culture wise. Minecraft, where it could be a duck. <laughs> is it a duck or is it a chicken? Well, ducks don't generally going around clucking like a chicken and laying eggs. But chickens don't generally go around swimming in ponds. So How do you know? Yeah. I just don't think they're well-equipped or not, like, oily like a duck. Well, when you think about it, um, most cows don't go swimming in ponds either, nor do pigs. most sheep or pigs. <laughs> so you can't use Minecraft as a gauge by which to judge all animals. So the animal mobs in Minecraft are just dumb. Yes. Makes sense. No wonder they get perched on the mountainside, unable to leave their one square. The chicken dance? Staple at some weddings. Uh, it's terrible. The funky chicken. It's a funny word. Just chicken. 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 I do often cluck like a chicken when I'm thinking or when I'm looking up something. Yes, you do. I don't know why. Yeah, it's become like just a tick, kind of. I blame this old Disney cartoon that was an opera. It, now, it was an actual opera. I can't remember which one. The lead female was a chicken. Ah. I can't remember what the male was. I want to say it was a horse or a cow or something weird like that. And this is why I do that, because she was singing the song but clucking like a chicken, and it was... <laughs> and she waits for a response. Nothing. <laughs> it's one really old one really old one yes but now because of that i i just cluck like a chicken ah. thanks walt disney <laughs> funny you made me cluck like a chicken well the whole chickens in the uh the muppets the new movie doing doing CeeLo green's fuck you yep. in clucking i was laughing so hard through that entire sequence i had an asthma attack Several sayings around chickens, too. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. Chickens come home to roost. Mm. And then just as a phrase for a coward, which is more a reference to the hens, I think, than the roosters, which are actually quite aggressive. I'll come chasing you, trying to peck you at you. I think that it's because chickens are easily startled. They've got that survival instinct. Mm -hmm. 
Especially the hens. They're like, protect the eggs, protect the eggs! Five guys named Mo, the nobody here but us chickens. Ain't nobody here but us chickens. <laughs> That's such a stupid, funny song. Mm-hmm. It's just funny. The way they do it is brilliant. Yes. Um, five guys named Mo. Please, please do a revival of Five Guys Named Mo. I would pay a lot of money to watch that again because it is fucking great. It's a fox getting into the hen house and Mm -hmm. then the farmer coming with a gun. The farmer and his dog. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, who's there? Ain't nobody here but us chickens. (laughs) Ain't nobody here at all. So quiet yourself and stop that fuss. Ain't nobody here but us. We chickens trying to sleep and you butt in. And hobble, 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 hobble. It's a sin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know all the words. It's one of your favorite musicals. He says he's going to come take a teensy-weensy peek at the chickens. No! Tomorrow is a busy day. We got things to do. We got eggs to lay. We got... Yeah. <laughs> now, this is a guy singing the song, which is hilarious. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, I love that musical so damn much. <laughs> it's weird because it's more like a review. It is. Yeah. It's it really kind is. of like nonsense in a, in a way, you know, where they're putting on a show. It's kind of weird because... Yeah. So there's not necessarily a story going on. Well, there is because they're trying to get Nomo to understand that he's a dope and ah, to how to get his woman back. Right. Because there are a and, lot of songs about that. And because Nomo's an idiot. <laughs> excuse me. Nomax. Nomax me. is the idiot. Yeah. Nomax is the idiot. He actually starts the show with, you know, a song about losing his baby because he drinks too much, yep. basically. And then uh, he's listening to the radio and they're, they're doing this show on the radio and there's five guys named Mo and they come out of his radio. Oh! <laughs> Wackiness ensues. Nice. And that was the best audience participation musical I've ever been to. I was in a conga line. Yeah, do a conga line around the theater. I know the words to the chorus of Pushka Pishi Pie because they were in the program Mm -hmm. for us to learn. (laughs) We had competitions. That number, which was the closing number of Act One, I swear to God, it went on for half an hour. I'm not even joking. Isn't that drinking song? What's the point of... Getting sober if you're just going to get drunk later. What's the use of getting sober? Yeah. If you're going to get drunk again. (laughs) It's got so many great songs in it. Mm, 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 mm. And it is funny as hell. Please, somebody, somebody on Broadway, please do a revival of Five Guys Named Mo. I'm begging you. It's been like 25 years. Come on. Can it translate to a film? No. No. No, I don't. It's so interactive. It's so interactive. It requires rapport with the audience yeah a lot of live theater is that way you just lose the energy the crackle if you move it to a screen well i mean it's written into the script yeah it's just you you just can't do that as a movie you just can't they do two songs that are directly involve both genders of the audience at different times oh yeah and they they sing yeah yeah well, it's uh, the first one is Beware, Brother, Beware. If you go to a show, she wants to sit in the back row. Beware, Brother, Beware. If you try to kiss and she doesn't resist, Beware, Brother, Beware. <laughs> Later on, there's Look Out, Sister, Look Out. Uh-huh. <laughs> is there something about showing the etchings or some weird line like that? I mean, they're doing it like right in front, like they're, they come down off the stage and they're like sitting on this stairwell, uh-huh. like right in front of the front row. And they're they're singing and they're interacting with the people. And there's always a point where he says to someone, 
Uh, excuse me, sir. Can you let her hand go? I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> Five guys named Mo. Just uh, it just happened. It's your well, fault. It's a nice, positive thing to end on. So it's it's a beautiful show. It's so much fun. I wish someone would revive it. I really do. Yeah. So happy Chinese New Year. Happy Chinese New Year or Lunar New Year. Lunar I guess. New Year. Yeah. Yeah. Really, honestly, why don't we just have 13 months that are 28 days each? Because 13's unlucky, I guess, maybe. Why? Who said well, it was unlucky? Who decided it was unlucky? 12 is so... It's Greek in its perfection, and that it's so divisible by 6, by 4, by 3, by 2. Yeah, but you can't make a year out of that, can you? No. You made a year out of 12 months, but they all have different number of days. Now, that's How the weird part. How is that perfection? That's that's the weird, strange part, because they're not even measured out decently, because why is February 28 days? Because it's the normal length a month should be. I see. <laughs> I mean, you could still have leap year if you wanted to, but have... Have a freaking 364-day year, 13 months, four weeks in each month, 28 days in each month. It's even. It <laughs> follows like the cycle of the moon or whatever. I don't know. But just this whole 12-month thing because 12 is better. And then you just fuck around with the length of each month. Yeah, yeah that that's not perfection. It's not better. It's stupid. <laughs> it's just dumb. It reminds me of that part in the Monk television series where... It's different types of OCD. So it's like, okay, we want to measure it by size. We want to measure it by number. It's like everybody has their own version of OCD and what they want from it. What is their balance? So some it would be, I want 12 because you can divide it up nicely. 13 is an odd number. That's weird. Yeah, whatever. Well, you're like, I want the months to be even to one another. And it doesn't matter how many months there are as long as they're equal in length because then january wouldn't seem so interminable <laughs> it certainly does doesn't it but the snow doesn't as help. does march ah. and may march should be faster because it july, sounds like an actual verb action in august it's like marching you're getting somewhere but not really yeah sure mm -hmm. shout outs shout outs hey! hey my shout out is to colin sorry about the <laughs> Long time to get to your email. <laughs> Jeez. And excited that you're back into podcasting because the last thing I heard you had to set it aside. So, yeah. Yeah. So, thanks, Colin. Yeah, from the first, very first episode. Yep. Um, my shout out is to Chris and Chelsea. Chris and Chelsea. Because they have a new kitty and their new kitty may die. Yeah. And he's Some such virus. a sweet kitty. He may not. Yeah, might not. But yeah. we'll see what happens. But they were just devastated because it was hard enough for Chelsea to lose her cat that she'd had for a very long time. Yes. And uh, it's difficult to go through that and to become attached to another cat and then have it for possibly such a short time. I just hope that that doesn't discourage them from getting cats in the future because I've been through a few deaths of yeah. cats. Yeah, the death part isn't fun. No. It, it really, really sucks. It's devastating, I dare say. But I can't do without a kitty spirit in my life. Yes, you I need, need a I cat need a, in the house. I need a kitty spirit. Yes. I'm always going to need a kitty spirit. That's why we've got that little monster currently sleeping in his bed that he hated at first. Yes, and now is one of his favorite places. My thoughts are there for you guys. 
we hope that it turns out to be not what the vet thinks it is. Yeah. You know, my life isn't that lucky, but maybe your guys' will be. I love you guys. <laughs> okay, and on that terrible note... <laughs> Well, it's not a terrible note to offer some sympathy. I know. It's to just some it's, friends. It's a terrible situation that makes me it sad. Is. It is terrible indeed. And just cut off the podcast right there. Just just end just it end there. Just end it right there. Just end it right there. <laughs> and just let people go, What? What? I just end with static. Don't understand. What happened? Or just record. Yeah. Just, just the me. record grows, the hiss of a record. Yeah. As it uh, well, my record player automatically stops when it gets to the, the center. It's like, oh, 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 no more tracks, stop! And the minute you lift the arm, it starts spinning again. Mine doesn't uh, get the needle all dulled by that. Yeah, that's good. It's, though you can't replace the needle, it's still nice to preserve the needle's life as much as possible. Yep. Anyway, yeah, just end it there. The little needle life preserver. <laughs> It seems like the last thing you'd want around a life preserver is a needle. A little tiny rubber grommet. Yes. The tiniest rubber grommet you'll ever see. So tiny you need tweezers to put it on the needle. Yeah, I've seen some pretty small rubber grommets before. but Have you seen any small rubber grommets before? Let's <laughs> I'm be pretty honest. sure I have. Really? Have you? Really? I've had record players before. Really? With, with little life preservers on them? Oh, not life preservers, no. <laughs> Unless you're speaking from the perspective of a needle, then yeah. Well, no, I'm not talking about the perspective of a needle. Is somebody texting you? Yes, it's Aaron. Ah. He wants to go see Rogue One tonight. I'm like, dude. So anyway. That would be your fourth time? And I would totally do it if it <laughs> Just were... sleep through it? No, I, I enjoy the movie. <laughs> I mean, just this late and as tired as you are. Yeah, anyway, I'm going to respond to him and we'll say goodnight. Good okay. afternoon. Yes, we should good say morning. good night because we've kept you this long, speaking of chickens and having weird side discussions throughout. But yes, that is our Chinese New Year special, and have a happy and safe one. And we'll be back to you, I guess, next week with who knows what at this moment. I have nothing planned, really. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Should have an EBM special sometime in February, around the 24th. So I have to determine a playlist for that. I'm thinking having ladies of EBM, considering EBM is often a male-dominated genre. It'd be nice to have the ladies show up, especially for the year of the woman as it is so far. But what comes before that, don't know yet. So it all should be something. <laughs> all right, that's it for me. And me. <laughs> as Brandy's texting. And, yeah, I was uh, I was mostly listening to what you said. Mostly. Come out at night. Mostly. mostly. All right. We're out of here. Haters. Bye. The intro to the Dark Corner podcast is starting over again by the Dolly Rocks. The outro is Closure by Chemical Waves. You're listening to them right now. Have feedback? Send it to the Dark Corner Pod at gmail.com. You can also hit us up at the Dark Corner Podcast Facebook group and the Dark Corner Podcast fan page. Follow us on Twitter at Dark Corner Cast. If you have the chance, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Why not also check out other fine podcasts on gentlemansgrindhouserecords.com. Speaking for Dr. Brandy Sexy Voice, I've been Evil Dave. Thanks for listening.
Gentlemen'sGrandHouseRecords.com. Ugh, I can't even spell on this. <coughs>